So the message this morning is called His Powerful Purpose. I wanted to entitle it Thunder and Lightning, but I wanted to stay a little more biblical than that. So, uh, so I decided His Powerful Purpose is really, really what it is. Um, we, we, we have this uh, understanding that we sort of uh, learned when we were kids about thunder and lightning, don't we? We, we, we realize that if you, if you see lightning, then you start counting. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And then if you hear the thunder, then, oh, it's three miles away. That is not scientific, actually. That's just something that made sense. It is further away. You know, if, if they're separated, the thunder and the lightning are separated by miles, you'll hear one, you'll see one, and then hear the other um, in, in the way that God designed it. But did you know that it's impossible to have thunder without lightning? It's actually impossible. Now, sometimes we don't hear it because it's too far away. Or sometimes we don't see it because we're not looking. But the two are connected in God's creation design. Thunder occurs when lightning, the lightning white hot electricity heats up the air to such a degree that the molecules begin to expand rapidly because of the heat. And then they push against one another and those air molecules, as they're heating up, it is like a chain reaction, a chain reaction that takes place. And to our human ears, a booming sound when those molecules hit together. It's actually the noise of air expanding and colliding with, with one another. So, no, it's not possible for there to be thunder, natural thunder, not artificial, but real thunder, without lightning. The two exist together. Thunder is a direct reaction to lightning. And because the sound waves travel slower than light waves, we see the lightning and then we hear the thunder. So that's a scientific fact about two of God's most amazing creations, right? Things that, you know, from early on uh, shocked us into awareness, woke us up in the middle of the night, made us go running for, for shelter, but not under a tree. Remember, not under a tree. Similar to this fact that you can't have thunder without lightning, I want us to consider this biblical fact. You cannot be a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to have him as your Lord and Savior without the Holy Spirit living within you. They do not separate because we serve one God. Yes, we refer to him as Father, Son, and Spirit, but he is one. This is one of the the key things that we have to remember to be biblical believers. Otherwise, we begin to splinter off and get some strange ideas about these three names that we use for God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. It is a biblical fact that when you receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, His Spirit comes to live within you. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, living in true believers. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is not some kind of force. It's not some special energy from God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is as much God as we say Jesus is God, right? We, we don't have any issue with that, right? Jesus is God. This is why we worship him. 
He's God who came to us, reached out to us in love, and brought us to himself through his death and burial and resurrection. And then he ascended, his, his physical body ascended and left the earth, but his spirit came, so he came right back again by his Holy Spirit. We are unable to separate the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They belong together. What happens is when we read the word of God, different aspects of God, different parts of his character are more dominant in different parts of scripture. But that does not mean that God is changing or morphing into another creature and another creature and another creature. This is not true. The apostle Paul made this very clear in his word in the book of Romans. He said, you, however, you're controlled not by your sinful nature, thank God, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, oh, we've got a different background there. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, Romans 8, verse 9. So you can't be a Christian without the spirit of Christ. There have been different teachings throughout all of history because it's a little confusing to have a God that is a trinity. He's three in one, and so it, it, it messes with our mind a little bit. We don't understand that concept as well as maybe we will in heaven one day. And so there have been these twists and turns around this, but I want to make this clear because as we enter into this Easter season, I want you to see the drama of what takes place and what God has done between Easter and Pentecost to bring about the church, you and me, believers filled with the living spirit of Jesus, for that is who we are. See, the major thing that Jesus did between the lightning and the thunder, the resurrection and Pentecost, was to make sure his disciples understood that he would continue his ministry in and through them. He was sending them out. But he said, but wait. Wait until you receive power, power from my spirit to be my witnesses in the world. Wait there. And I will come to you again. You see, the Holy Spirit would be continuing the present tense ministry of Jesus among them. Now, if you know the Bible very well, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is written by Dr. Luke. And the book of Acts is his continued writing about what Jesus was now doing through his church. So the gospel of Luke Starts with the birth of Jesus and continues on and talks about his miracles and talks about his healings and talks about his teachings and talks about his battles with the Pharisees and talks about his death and burial and resurrection, but it doesn't end there. The book of Acts is like part two of the life of Jesus, but now Jesus, who has ascended physically, bodily, left the earth, has descended in the spirit to fill the church and the people of God with his spirit to make a whole new kind of human because before that, humans didn't do that. Now, the Holy Spirit always existed in God. God was the spirit. It's back at the very beginning of the book of Genesis. It says the spirit hovered over the earth. So God was always active in and around mankind, but he did not put himself inside of us 
to reside in us, make us temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of God, until Pentecost. Prior to that, the Spirit could come on you, use you for something wonderful or amazing, and then depart from you. This is why the promise, just even even if you don't understand the background of it, the promise of Jesus when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, is a radical change in how God's people were relating to God. Because there was times when God was right there with them through the prophets and through, through the kings and, and, and through the priests and through their worship. And there were times when God would depart. It says, it, you know, we studied this in the Old Testament, but it says that he departed from the temple. He, he couldn't take it anymore. He removed himself from the people. And they were on their own in exile. And they were defeated by their enemies. They were taken as slaves. And all of those things took place because God's favor departed from them. So when Jesus says that he's going to send his spirit and he will never leave you or forsake you, there should be a a huge celebration in our hearts because God does not. When we have received him as Lord and Savior, he does never leave us again. Can't have thunder without lightning. Can't have Jesus without his spirit. It just doesn't make sense biblically. So the Lord has, has lived and died and be raised up for them. And now he is the source of power in their lives so that they can live the abundant life he created us to live. Free from Satan, from sin, free from the bondage of sin, and fruitful for his kingdom. Freedom and fruit. That is my definition of the abundant life. You're living a free life, free from sin, or the power of sin to make you its slave. Not that you never sin again, but that you are no longer a slave to sin, just as Paul says, the Apostle Paul. And now you are able to produce fruit, the same fruit that Jesus produced when he was here in bodily form is the same fruit that he's pulling out of us and using on the earth today. You see, Christianity is a real relationship with the living Christ. Christianity is not a religion. It is not a a bunch of facts that you memorize. It's not the values that you live by. It's not the beliefs that you espouse to. It's not a list. It's not a thing you can put on a plaque or put on a bumper sticker. It's not your Bible memory, you know, challenges. Christianity is not even about being good or being bad versus being bad. Christianity is a relationship with the living Christ who lives within you. Now, yeah, we should clap because that is the change. That is what Christ came to change because prior to that, that's not how it was. So he came and he changed the world and he changed human beings so that now he lives within us. Now, we're not always clear on that fact. Consciously, sometimes we're aware of the presence of God in our lives. And many times, consciously, we're not aware that he's still there. There's times when our mind and our emotions, even our body sometimes, will not cooperate with this true fact. God lives within you. He is with you. 
in your dark hours. He is with you in your tests and trials. He is with you in your temptations. He is with you in your joys. He's with you in your sorrows. He never leaves you. Are you always conscious of it? You're thinking of it at that very moment? No. Not always conscious of it because your consciousness is in many ways controlled by a piece of meat that's up here in the skull, right? Big, juicy piece of meat up there. You're conscious and you're subconscious. When you're sleeping, you're subconscious. You're, you're under that consciousness. When you're awake, you look around. You say, okay, everybody's still here. We're still in, you know, still in Holden, right? We have certain conscious thoughts that run through our mind. God is bigger than you. God's work is larger than you can imagine. He can do immeasurably more what, than what you could ask or imagine. The scripture in Ephesians that we're looking at this 50 days tells us. So you see, Jesus promised his disciples that he would make his home in them. He made that promise in John 14, verse 15 through 23. I'm going to come and, and, and live within you so that they could then abide in him. They could, they could connect with him like a, like a branch to a tree, that they could live in that kind of relationship where his life flowed into them and, and out of them, however that works within a tree. I'm not an agriculturalist, but there's a connection there. Christ made that possible. And he did it so that they could produce fruit, so they could produce what he was producing, Christ came to bring something. He came to bring salvation. The church is here today on the earth to bring salvation in the name of Jesus Christ, to give glory to Christ, to make sure that people know that Jesus died for them, to make sure that people don't think they're such a horrible sinner that, that, that Christ's blood couldn't wash them clean. To make sure that they understand the love of God, the graciousness of God, the overwhelming sense of joy in our hearts when we're accepted by God through Jesus Christ, through what he did on our behalf. So he's given us the Holy Spirit to us, the church, so that we will be witnesses of the kingdom of God. And the reality of Jesus, the king of that kingdom in the world today. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. In his prayer that he taught his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It's like a a motto for us that we would remember he's the king and that we are here to fulfill his will on the earth today just as his will is being performed in heaven. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, came into our lives, not just to make us joyful, not just to make us free, but to make us fruitful, to bring more and more people into the kingdom of God through the salvation that Jesus began and that Jesus accomplished before he ascended and sent his own Spirit to us. You see, God decided that the church had a purpose in history. The reason we're here, we're not just waiting for Jesus to come back. We are waiting for him to come back, but we have a purpose while we wait. You know, you can do more than one thing at a time. 
Sometimes I have to remind myself of that because I'm very simple. I need to do one thing and not think about a bunch of things. But you can do two things at once. The church of Jesus Christ can do two things at once. We can worship God with our whole being. We can love him. We can thank him. We can be grateful for all he has done for us. And we can testify to the world around us that Jesus is alive. He is real. He is working on the earth today. He's working even in my life and in your life as you follow him. As we look at the book of Acts, and please turn there, Acts chapter 2, we may get out of this chapter someday. I know I'm frustrating some of you who just want to work through the whole book of Acts in your Bible study, but we've got to get this. Until we get this, we can't move on because we've got to get it right. We've got to understand why this happened. What is it all about? Why am I here today? This is part of your purpose as an individual. You understanding why you even exist is part of this work that Jesus did by coming in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You see, he was giving himself, his own spirit to the church, like I said, so that we can be witnesses. He said, you know, go and wait in Acts chapter 1. Go and wait in 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, you will go witnessing. I've heard that many times in growing up in the church. Let's go out and get together and go witnessing. No. I mean, yes, but but you are a witness wherever you go. Sometimes you're a good witness. Other times, not so good, right? depending on your attitude and behavior that day. But you are always witnessing in your marriage, in your workplace, in your recreation, in your neighborhood. You are a witness. You became one when the Holy Spirit came to reside in you. You don't get to put that on and put that off. Today I feel like going witnessing. Tomorrow I'm not witnessing. You're always witnessing. Sometimes you're alone and you're witnessing. You look in the mirror and you say, God, help me. You know, I know you're real. Help me through this day. You're witnessing to yourself. But you are witnessing because you are a witness. It's not a, not a verb in that way. It's something that we are. We become. He says it very clearly in that verse. You will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. So if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, and we've just established the fact that when you believe in Christ, the Spirit comes to live in you, you are now a witness. Sorry to break it to you. It's not a special gift for 10% of the church. All 100% of us become witnesses. Did you hear me? Amen. I know. It's a little shocking, but it's true. Because he needs you. The uniqueness of who you are and who you are and who you are and who you are is so unique that he needs every single one of us in his kingdom plan to bring more and more people into his family through salvation in Jesus Christ. We're carrying out. This is why when Jesus said, you will do greater things. Because you know, before the Holy Spirit came, it says here in, in, in Acts 1, there was 120 of them gathered together. In the whole world, there was 120 who believed and followed Jesus. 
you know, I'm not a numbers person, but that's not a lot for the whole world. Because right now there's over 7 billion people, right, on the earth. So 120 couldn't do, couldn't do enough to bring the message of Jesus, so he was going to multiply. And this is the exciting part of the beginning of the book of Acts, is because he doesn't just like add another 10 or another 100 or 120. It says at the end of chapter of, of um, three, uh, two, after the sermon, so that we'll, get, we'll get to that in a moment, but after the sermon, it says that he added 3,000 to their number in verse 41 of chapter 2. Because the message, we're going to get to the message in a minute, but the message was being preached. The, the witnesses were being witnesses to what Jesus was and what Jesus had done and what Jesus has promised. And it says, they accepted his message, they were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. That's, can you do the math? 3,000 divided by 120, how, how many times? It's, it's many times more. I cannot do math. I went to Wachusett. No offense, no offense, really. Anyway, so what happens often in this story at the beginning of Acts, and the thing that I want to make sure we get before we move on, what happens is we get distracted from what Jesus was saying and doing and is continuing to do. And what I want to say to you is don't get distracted. The Holy Spirit now lives within you. The Spirit of Jesus lives within you. What happens is we get a little distracted because it says in in chapter two of, of, of the book of Acts, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then verse two. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now we're distracted. What? Windy wind. (laughs) Tongues of fire. (laughs) All different languages. (laughs) Wait. Just put a pause on that. Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of God, he brought salvation. He said, I'm going to use you as my witnesses to do the same, to bring salvation. Now, we don't save people, don't get me wrong, but to bring the message of salvation so that people can be changed. Not so there can be loud noises, not so there can be tongues of fire. That wasn't the reason we get sort of like some of this distractedness, you know, this ADD thing going on here. Oh, what's that? What are the tongues of fire? I don't care. The purpose was to make you a witness in the world that God has placed you. Whether you've got a tongue of fire on the top of your head or not. Now, I know it's got to be important, and God's probably going to get me in heaven and say, now listen, that was important. But what I'm saying is, the more important thing is that Jesus came, he lived, he died for your sins, he has given you the gift of salvation and eternal life, and he will fill you with his spirit if you just receive the gift of God in your life. The message gets lost by the special effects. 
This can happen. You know that. We love special effects. We love explosions and we love fireworks and we love noise. We love all this stuff. But don't get distracted. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what saves people. Jesus came to save people. He gave you his spirit who now lives in you to what? Say it louder. To witness, to save people. You're not saving them. I I wish I had better language. You're not saving them. The Holy Spirit in you, which is Jesus, is saving them, is bringing people to the light of the gospel, is helping them to go from being lost to found, from being in a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to do special effects. He can do whatever he wants. Look at the universe. Look at the meteors. Look at the volcanoes. I mean, he's all about all that. All I'm saying is for us as a church, our purpose is to bring the gospel to your world. That's it. And I believe that 50 years ago when the little Christians who were calling themselves the Holden Chapel got together... I believe from reading their reports and by listening to what they wrote at the time, this is also what drove them to become a church, to reach the lost in our area and in our world. That was their motive because that is the motive of the heart of Jesus and the heart of Jesus lives inside of us through his Holy Spirit. So how can we have other agendas? We end up with other agendas because we're distractible people. You know, we're, we're flawed. We're not perfect. But what I'm saying is don't get distracted. Don't get distracted because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Scripture attests to this. I'm not making this up. Some of you are looking kind of confused. Don't be confused. The Spirit within you is the Spirit of Jesus with the same power and authority, with the same gentleness and love, with the same compassion on sinners. When you come into contact with a sinner, I hope your heart breaks for them. I hope you don't take after the Pharisees. I hope your heart breaks for them. He died for them. He wants to rescue them. He doesn't want to throw stones at them. He doesn't want to write their name down on the chalkboard. I'll see you after school. (laughs) That is not the spirit of Jesus. That's some other false spirit. That's a spirit of a Pharisee or judgment. The world has this twisted idea about what the true church is because sometimes we're not good witnesses to the heart of Jesus. He loves the hurting. He loves the lost. He draws close to those who are brokenhearted. He doesn't say, well, (laughs) it must have been your fault. You shouldn't have done that. That was silly. Well, you reap what you sow. No. Come on. Really? Did he treat you that way? No. When you came to him humbly, broken, knowing you were lost and couldn't find your way? Did he say, I'm too busy? I'm too holy? 
It's the spirit of Jesus that drives the church to bring the good news to the world and to do it in the way that he did it. This is why we have four books in the Bible, the gospels to show us Jesus, show us Jesus, show us Jesus, show us Jesus. Teach us what he said. Teach us how he said it. Teach us what he did. Teach us how he did it. All of those things are there repeated again and again and again because the first time we didn't get it. We get distracted. Oh, I wonder what the wine tasted like at the wedding. Oh, you know, what? Come on. I know. I need to get back on track. I'm getting distracted. (laughs) All I'm saying is sometimes we can't see the forest through the trees. We, 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 we just, we get lost. And what we need to do in this time that God has given us, in this time to come back sort of out of COVID, out of the, the corners that we were driven to, come back together and say, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to live Jesus, to live Jesus to let him out of our lives, to let him out in our words and in our actions, to let him out into the world because he came to save the world. The spirit is the spirit of the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. He's not an it. He's not a force. As I said before, we have one God and he's not separated into three different sections. It's the same God. The fact that he lives within us is quite humbling because I know I'm not a perfect vessel. He's working on me. God used the loud noises. God used the praises of his people in different languages to to attract people to the scene, to the scene of what was going to take place next. He needed a loud noise. They didn't have microphones that went crazy and speakers like us, right? So he needed a loud noise. So he used the noise that he created, which was the wind. And he's like, you know, made the noise. We could probably do that with a speaker. Try it, John. Switch over. Where's that windy noise? Oh, okay, all right. You fixed it. Hallelujah. Thank you, John. Uh, anyway, God created it himself. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have one of those in Jerusalem. So everyone went, what is that annoying noise? They heard the wind, and they were attracted to whatever was going on there. And, and what happened was then, and we're going to look at this in the next several weeks, Peter started to preach. Peter started at the beginning and began to tell them, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, he was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Because they had heard. Jesus was around there doing this stuff. And this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him to a cross. So Jesus is preaching through Peter because we know Peter was a scaredy cat but now that the spirit's in him it's got to not be Peter it's got to be the spirit of God in Peter begins preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's amazing we're going to look at it we'll continue with this message 
I think you get it. I think you get where we're headed. I think you get what we need to understand. We, we get very distracted. We're those kind of people. We get distracted by stuff. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to what really is our purpose on the earth. There's a, there's a verse, there's a verse in, in Luke 19. Andrea, is there a slide there? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came and it says he preached the kingdom of God. And over a hundred times in the Gospels, this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom, is used again and again and again because it was Jesus' theme. He was going to bring the kingdom of God. We're not sure exactly what that means, except because we understand kings and queens and you know, royalty and things like that. The king is the top, right? That king had a purpose for sending his son, for coming as Jesus. And it was to seek and to save what was lost. What was lost, people? <laughs> I was. I don't know. I, you were too. I mean, come on. Everybody was. But Jesus came to seek, which is like to look really hard for, to put in some effort. You. He came looking for you. He had your name in his mind. He wanted you in a relationship with him. He's still doing that. He still wants to do that through you and through me. To seek and to save the lost. To build his kingdom so that more and more people say, Jesus, he's my king. I'll do anything for Jesus. I will, I will lay down my life for him. He's my king. He saved me. He rescued me. He changed me. He's still changing me. He's worthy of all praise, of all honor and glory. He's, he's worthy of my life and your life and everybody's life. He's the king. He created everything. And we are to be his witnesses. We can do a lot of other stuff. We can spend our energy on a lot of other things. When we get to see him face to face, the issue is, what did we do with him? His spirit's in us. What did we do with Jesus? Did we tell others about him? Did we get on that mission to seek and to save those who are lost? Or were we distracted, busy, annoyed? Let's build his kingdom together. This is what he wants for his church, to build his kingdom here. This song is, is going to be new to some of you, and I don't care, because, because the lyrics are awesome. I'm just going to, they're going to start to play, but come and set your rule and reign on our hearts again. That's a prayer. Come and set your rule and reign, because he's the king, on our hearts again. So maybe our hearts have wandered. I'm sure they have. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil, uh, unveil what we were made for. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our souls. Holy Spirit, come. We are your church, and we need your power in us today. Amen? Amen.